you know, I've been here for 18 months now, uh, getting ready for the event. It's amazing how much has to happen in those last two months and in just the last 15 to 20% of things that just need to get across the line. And right now people are finally starting to focus on, on the event. Cadence down here of things in Melbourne, uh, it's, I would, after doing an event in New York, I would say this is, this marketplace is every bit as busy or probably even more so than, than New York City. Matt Kaminsky, executive director of the President's Cup, joins me this week on Beyond High Street. I was really excited to get Matt on. We were fraternity brothers back in the day at Miami, and he has done unbelievable work the last 20-plus years in professional golf. And now he's down in Australia uh, running the President's Cup, which takes place in December with Tiger Woods and the best golfers from around the world. We jump into a number of subjects on the pod today, common themes you hear about often. The power of relationships, constant learning and mentoring, the mentoring discussion we get into Coach Davidge, Bill Davidge at Miami, who is a mentor of mine too. We then jump to the event business. You know, he's got a full-time staff of 12 that jumps up to 1,300 people for the President's Cup that week in December. And then the world about uh, post-event depression that people go through when you run major events. We also dive into being a professional with a family and traveling around the world and the positives for your kid and the cultures and the experiences ones get. Hope you enjoy the pod with Matt. I did. Uh, it's a very interesting conversation, actually. When you, uh, so the, the first go was uh, I found out in probably early 2009 that I would be tipped to come down to Australia to do the 2011 President's Cup. Uh, as its first time as the executive director. And at that time, um, you know, I thought it was only going to be a one-time uh, event, one-time gig, and, um, you know, come here and do two years and then go back and move on to something else with, within the tour. And um, that was kind of the plan when I went back to, to uh, after Australia in 2012. Um, but as we, we were planning for the, the event in in, uh, in Korea post-2013 at Muirfield Village, um, I stayed on as executive director working with Dan Sullivan up there in Maryville Village in Columbus. But um, as we were planning for the 2015 event, we were trying to do it with staff on the ground there. And it it, um, it was just evident that we needed somebody on the ground. And I was I had been invested in the event since 2011, the event being in Korea. So the opportunity came up to do it again. And so <laughs> that was a conversation with my wife, Stacy that was like, hey, do you want to go to Korea, which is very different to Australia. And, um, you know, fast forward to the 16 months that I was there, the 14 months or actually 13 months that they were there. Um, it was an amazing experience. So, uh, glad we did it. And then, you know, coming back, it was in New York and I commuted back and forth to New York. And then it really was just an opportunity to come back here to Australia again, which we enjoyed so much. And, um, it made sense again. So uh, I think this will be our last move though, just because my kids, I want them to get in a place where they can finish high school uh, in, in Jacksonville in a place that they, they feel comfortable with and, and actually have a little bit of consistency and stability as they get ready for college. Yeah. So how, how, those kids are how old now? Uh, 14 and 15. And so, so one's in grade eight and one's in grade 10. Yeah. Okay. And so of the, of those, that's roughly two thirds of their life living in the States and a third abroad. Is that fair? Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, and what would you say has been the best part of that experience for those kids? 
Uh, I mean, it's experiencing different cultures yep. and, and seeing something different than being um, in, in Jacksonville, Florida. We always tell that, you know, well, we always tell them when we're going, and it was even evident when we came here and we went to Korea, it was, um, you know, you're going to experience so many different things. I think we went, we've been to over 15 countries since mm-hmm. we've, we've lived abroad, uh, traveled all over, and, um, you know, that has been an amazing uh, you know, learning experience for them. And just, uh, you know, but every time we go back to Jacksonville, our families there, it's the, the, the same, in a sense, not the same. It's just, um, you know, some things have changed, but you can pick up with your friends and family uh, where you left off and, and things. There's some, there's some comfort in that. Um, but you, you would, they wouldn't have had these experiences with different cultures and um, different languages and different foods and different, you know, just everything um, that they, they, they wouldn't have had that in Jacksonville, Florida. So uh, that ability, that, that experience has been, um, you know, just very uh, important and um, priceless, really. Yeah, well, and generationally, we're lucky or they're lucky. I mean, if, if this happened when we were kids, you'd be pen-palling with pen and paper. <laughs> Without pen, a doubt. Pen and paper with a stamp. Yeah. So I am sure they have a number of Korean buddies and now Australian friends that when they go back to the States, vice versa, they're, they're on Snap and Insta and everything else with those guys all day long. Without a doubt, communication is so much easier nowadays, for sure. I mean, I, you know, when we went first went to college, it was just getting email, you know, didn't <laughs> dial up and what have you. But they're able to instantly get on with with people and keep in touch with people really well, and for it, sure. Yeah, and so as we talked about Australia, now you've got the President's Cup coming up here in middle of December down in Royal Melbourne or the Royal Melbourne Golf Club down there. What with a couple months to go, what's what's the big hurdle? that you have the big challenge or the last minute tying the shoes here with under 60 days that you got to get done to make sure this is continues to be world-class for you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. There's a lot of little things uh, that make up the, the big thing at the end of the event. Um, uh, but, you know, as much as you can plan for, you know, I've been here for 18 months now uh, getting ready for the event. Um, uh, it's amazing how much has to happen in those last two months um, in just the last, you know, uh, 15 to 20% of things that just need to get across the line. Uh, and right now people are finally starting to focus on, on the event. Um, uh, the cadence down here of things in Melbourne, uh, it's, I would, after doing an event in New York, I would say this is, this marketplace is every bit as busy or probably even more so than, than New York city, uh, when it comes to events. Um, there's always something on, um, and, and the, there's a, uh, a, a consistent cadence to uh, the event landscape here when you go with the Australian Open and then to the Grand Prix and then in the footy season and then it's the AFL Grand Final and then it's spring racing carnival, horse racing, and they've got huge horse racing uh, uh, events down here. And then the President's Cup comes around December. So it's a, it's been a challenge just getting people to focus, but um, in these last 60 days, it's really um, getting the last uh, things across the line from a uh, hospitality uh, sales perspective, and uh, I mean our big sponsors and all those things are done. But um, it's just the uh, the die in the eyes and crossing the T's, so to speak, with uh, the operations and logistics. And you know, and, and big hurdles. You know, the, the what ifs. You know, is is, is Tiger going to play? Uh, is he going to pick himself and be a uh, on the on the U.S. team, or is he just going to captain? Um, uh, question we always get is, you know, will the president? come to the event um so those are those are things that um we'll deal with as they come but uh right now it's just uh making sure that we can 
take care of all the things that we can take care of and uh, and, and deal with those uh, and be prepared to deal with, uh, I guess, the, the curveballs that may come our way later on. And during event week, give me a ballpark of how many staff and volunteers will be assisting the operation that week. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. We've got a, a very small staff here when you comparatively speaking to, to the size of the event and um, how, how, how big it is globally as well as here in Australia. We've got a, a team of about 12 wow. full-time here in the office, um, but uh, that doesn't uh, count all the folks that we have working back in Ponte Vista Beach, Florida, that will be making the trip down here. There'll be over 80, 80 personnel coming down here to work uh, on the event and, and uh, or to be a part of the event. Um, uh, as, that doesn't count uh, all the all the folks from television and um, our international broadcasters and NBC and Golf Channel and Discovery or Golf TV. So, um, uh, in, in addition to that, we'll have over thirteen hundred volunteers. Uh, participating, a lot of those uh, coming from Royal Melbourne Golf Club, about 600 um, or 400 from the Royal Melbourne, and but also ones that are affiliated with Royal Melbourne that are part of it, which is fantastic to get um, that support and um, I guess uh, uh, participation from from a membership uh, that's very proud of their club, obviously. Uh, and um, you know, in addition to that, we'll have upwards of um, you know, support staff from our vendors, from our contractors, from catering to security. Uh, upwards of two to three thousand folks that'll be working on the event as well. Hmm. And it's, a big, it's a big operation for yeah, sure. Yeah, enormous that scales up every single day. And then you get to event week, and and I'm taking you through to the finish. And um, the world of the United States is raising the trophy, and and all of a sudden it's the next morning or two <laughs> days later, and everybody flies out as a event operator and owner. And you've not just done this with the President's Cup, but you've done it with other golf tournaments. Tell me, what is the feeling inside when it's over? Is it euphoria or is it a, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's gone? What's that emotion like inside the body? Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit bittersweet, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're post-tournament depression, so to speak, we talk about in the event world, because you, you've um, you spent so much time and energy building up, you know, what this will be for, for two years on the ground, but, you know, we announced this back in 2015, so we've been working on it. Uh, for for over four years, really, uh, in the lead up, and um, you know you're building up, building up, building up, which is which is a great thing because you you have an end end goal and you know what you're working towards, and and you know you work through your checklist and things, and you know what you have to get uh, in that end game is that Sunday night, and ultimately really the Tuesday afternoon because we've got a lot of corporate days that happen, uh, which are two of our most important days. You know, after the competition done is uh, the time with our with our sponsors, but um, when it's all done, you, I mean, you, you, there's, you, you feel deflated. You feel <laughs> uh, there is a bit of euphoria right at the right at the end, like wow, you know, we accomplished something great, and hopefully, that's we'll have that same uh, experience, and I, I, no doubt we will uh, here. But um, there is a bit of a uh, yeah, there's a letdown. You you you, uh, you just feel spent, and and as you say that you know those 80, 80 plus folks that are coming from the states. They leave. They're gone, right. and you're left to kind of clean it up, and <laughs> left to clean it up, so to speak. So, uh, they're here in spirit, but uh, you know, it's uh, it is it is tough um, because you go through this, and you're you're running on this adrenaline for you know what it is, you know, ten to fourteen days at event time, getting very little sleep, and um, you know, just just working for every day, opening and, and trying to put your best foot forward for the teams, for the players, for all the fans and sponsors. 
um, there is, you know, you, you feel a bit deflated, you know, I mean, with these events, it's just, it's, it's hard. Yeah. But, uh, um, you do, you do feel accomplishment for sure. Yeah. And, and so you've been, you've been living the professional golf world now for 20 plus years. When you went to Miami was, uh, I know sports management was a, was a, a path for you, but were you thinking golf when you were 18? When, when did, when did the, yeah. the golf from a business side creep in your head to say, Hey, this is something I want to think about. It's so funny, Schwabi. It didn't. It didn't even occur to me when I first went to Miami, Ohio. I mean, my dad was a, a heart surgeon, very accomplished in, in Akron, Ohio, and I, you know, I went in not knowing what I wanted to do, but knowing that okay, I, I like medicine, I'll, I'll go into that. And so I went in pre med, and for you know two and a half years, I studied pre med, and it was only uh, based on a conversation as we were getting ready to go home for break in, in December, uh, where one of my friends asked me about. Um, you know, the Kaplan courses and getting ready to take the MCATs that following summer. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't even occurred to me that that's something that I had to do. Um, I knew I needed to, you know, follow a different path or at least look for something that I'm, uh, that interested me, uh, that I had more interest in or, uh, that I could find a passion in. And, um, one of my friends uh, was in sports management and, and marketing. And I, I, uh, basically took a, uh, a detour and went straight that way and um you know i haven't looked back and i was very fortunate um uh my my roommate in college uh casey kellerman his mom uh was working with uh, worked with the cleveland cavaliers for years and i was able to get an interview and i i, I worked uh for the Cavs that following summer um and interned with them and um had a great experience loved it uh loved working in the event space i, I had an opportunity to, and it was back when the Cavs were not very good at all. I mean, bottom of the barrel well before LeBron James. And, yeah. um, uh, but I was, uh, uh, I had a great experience and, um, I, I just happenstance ended up having a, uh, um, an interview. Uh, my dad ran into a, it's funny, just all about how, how you meet people and get in relationships. My dad ran into a, a gentleman that, um, uh, he, my dad had done heart surgery on, his father and saved his life. And uh, a man by the name of Bill Franz, who was high up in the volunteer organization. And these events, these golf tournaments are heavy. You'd rely on the volunteers to operate them. There's just no way we'd be able to, to operate the event and then deliver the events and deliver what we do to charity without them. Um, but he ran into him and they started talking and my dad came home so excited because he loved his golf. And while I played, I did it more just to hang out with my friends and hang out with my dad as well. Uh, he came back and was just like, man, you got to, you got to go for this interview. It's uh, it's with uh, Barbara Burke, who works for Jim Cook, John Cook's father. And, you know, he's with the NEC World Series of Golf. You need to go do this. And I'm like, Dad, golf, small fun. I don't want to work in golf. I'm in the NBA. This is what I'm going to do. This is amazing. And uh, and uh, I ended up going for the interview. Had a, um, ended up getting a, another internship. Uh, and that's how it works in sports, you know. Yep. Um, another internship uh, working for, I think it was very little, you know. I mean, there, that was nothing for, you know. And then when... <laughs> I started working for Jim Cook, John Cook's father, and uh, Jim Cook was a, a pioneer in the in the uh, event space and, and hospitality and entertainment space in golf. Uh, one of the first ones to do it at the NEC World Series of Golf there in Akron, Ohio, and uh, very fortunate that I, I worked there for a couple of years. And uh, when the World Golf Championships came about, the PGA Tour came in. I was right place at the right time, and so, uh, I've been in golf ever since. Were those so? Those two internships. One was after junior year in college and one was after senior year or they both were in the summer of junior year? Uh, no, one was, uh, so all summer long for, for a junior year, so in between junior and senior year. And then, um, I, I had plans to go back to the Cavs and then I, you know, uh, ended up doing a, a short stint over break in senior year Christmas, um, 
and then worked that summer with the NEC World Series of Golf and then finished up um, and then went to work full-time. Uh, full-time, I should say. I mean, I think I got paid $200 a month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something like that. Uh, when I started, but I was so excited and you know, working for the NEC World Series of Golf full-time uh, in in 1998. The power of the relationship is so strong and it's so interesting that it, it's not necessarily a professor or a friend, but it's, it's a roommate's mom that starts that path. And Without then, a doubt. And then it's, your, yeah. it's a colleague from your dad or a patient from your dad and just the importance to, you know, just always be a good person and always do the right thing because you never know where that relationship, peer, colleague, friend, actually has something that could turn into business or any other personal relationship in the future. It's really interesting. Without a doubt. And Bill Franz is a, a Miami grad as well, yeah. which is, is kind of cool, you know? And so, yeah. So did you come, so two and a half years in, you go back, it's Christmas break, you've decided, oh my gosh, there's these things called the MCATs, you had no idea. You go have a little <laughs> holiday. My guess at that point, I'm, I'm not sure if you're telling your, your father that you're, you're dropping out and, and going into sports management, but maybe you do. You come back January, Miami junior year, and you, you switch majors. Is there a particular class that really gets you motivated or excited or what's that spring like? I mean, you're 20 or 21, so we're still in college having just a lot of fun hitting up high street whenever you can, but what's, what's the shift there? A professor, another uh, buddy in the fraternity house. How do you start to really feel the momentum that you want to head this direction? Well, and it was, it was really, it was, uh, um, a girlfriend and now wife of, uh, my other roommate, uh, Bryce Joy. So Kristen DeBlander was her name and she, uh, was in sports management and she talked me, really talked me into it about the, the classes that she was having. And, uh, one of those, um, you know, where she, she talked about, um, uh, Bill Babbage who came in and spoke to this, you know, the class about his time as Miami head coaching hockey and then into, um, he, he was organizing events and doing a lot of different things. Um, and you know, I, I just got excited about it. And I, I, it was, it was really Kristen, uh, that did that for me and Bryce's uh, wife now. And, um, and I, and I, I never turned back, you know, I, I think I just enjoyed the classes. There was really no, uh, no one class or one, um, event that, that got me into it. It was really that, that internship at the Cavs that, that did it for me. Yeah. Um, and just enjoying the organization and, and, and what that was all about. I got, I got to touch every little bit of it, whether it was sales, it was group sales. I did their activations and, you know, they did their, uh, game day things while the things weren't from a game, but, uh, events within, I went to, you know, help set up the concerts and stuff at, at Gundarina at the time. And yeah, it just, uh, that was the, the thing they did for me. And the classes just, uh, uh, accelerated that as I went through. I love that. And I was, I was running track and, and, and yeah. loving that. And, you know, I, I kind of, it's funny. I, I think about the, the different, um, uh, groups of friends and the life that I, you know, the fraternity life was my, you know, my best friends in the world and kept them been my best friends through life. Um, and I also ran track, which was a, a great outlet. And then something that I met a lot of different people that way. And then I also worked in the, um, the sport and rec and, and ref basketball games and did, did all that stuff. Um, uh, and that was a lot of the organization stuff that really got me going too. I love the, the, the rec side of it and the, the sport and rec organizing the intramural, uh, sporting, um, uh, events and things that we had, um, through Miami. That was, you know, it was, that was a great experience and led me to the, the event planning and, uh, things like that helped me along that way. 
I, I love that you mentioned uh, Bill Davidge, Coach Davidge. That sport and rec center you're talking about, when I was a senior, wasn't built yet, and I was the right. the student uh, you know, advisor or whatever uh, on that committee with Coach Davidge. And the meetings were at 8 o'clock on Friday morning, which was unfair to a college <laughs> senior. So Coach Davidge always took care of me and always had a cup of coffee waiting right in my seat so I could slide in <laughs> right, right at the bell at 8 o'clock. He, he understood a college senior there. That's pretty funny. He's, a, he's just, I think, just finishing up his uh, long stint with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's been there for quite yeah. a bit of time. He's, he's such a good man. Uh, he's such a good man, absolutely. Yeah. What about He's that? touched a lot of people, yeah. definitely in the sport world, for sure, you know, coming through Miami. Yeah, absolutely. So, Davidge, I mean, when we talk about mentorship, too, what, what about others? I mean, typically we go right back to family and, and you know, a mom or a dad or, or, or somebody else. Who, who are those mentors for you um, that could be in the golf world or a professor or a family friend that – have helped you, steered you in the right path, or, or what, what? what's kind of a, a key trait that one or two of those mentors has helped you with along the way? Oh, without that, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, Jim Cook was, a, you know, my first boss in, in this industry, and um, it was amazing just to, to learn and, and listen from him. I mean, he was he was the king of relationships. He was the king of remembering everybody's name and, um, you know, making you feel like you were uh, – the number one person in the room, um, whether you're in a room of a thousand or a room of one, you know, I mean, he just was, uh, had that, had that knack, uh, for doing that. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's been a, a huge supporter of mine all the way through. Um, uh, I think, uh, when I think the, the man that gave me the opportunity to come down here, uh, to Australia for the first time as executive director, um, at a time when, um, you know, I don't think, I think people question whether or not I could go and do that. Um, uh, they had never seen me in that role. And, um, it was Mike Bodney, uh, who had done it himself before, uh, when we first came here in 1998. Um, you know, uh, he, he just, uh, he saw something in me and, um, I was, uh, very fortunate that he, they took that chance and, and, and delivered to the higher levels of the tour, uh, to come down here. And then, you know, I, I look at, uh, someone like, uh, commissioner Fincham, Tim Fincham, uh, somebody that, um, has really, uh, you know, just the way he goes about things and, um, the way that he, he listens. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that, uh, is, is sit with me is just being able to, to listen and, uh, and, and feel a room before you really react. So, uh, he was one that, uh, really has been, um, somebody that I've looked up to for a long time. So in addition to my dad, my, you know, my, um, you know, my, my family, but for sure. How, how do you still learn every day? Are you, are, are you doing that via podcasts as we're doing here, but are you, is that on Twitter? Is that reading a newspaper? Is that talking to people? How do you learn? I, I, I try, I try my best. Yeah, I try. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm on podcasts all the time. I, I listen to um, a lot of podcasts on leadership from, you know, Andy Stanley's one of my favorites, uh, you know, um, John Gordon and things. I, I, I um, listen to those constantly. I, I listen to your podcast, Robbie. I, I mean, it's, 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 and it is talking to people. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'd, I'd rather pick up the phone um, than, than send a text or, or an email. I'd rather get on the phone and talk to somebody before, um, uh, uh, you know, doing the because things can get lost in translation through that. But um, I do read a lot. On, on, I'm on. I'm probably on my phone way too much, and my family tells me that. And mm-hmm. I'm usually reading articles or doing what have you. But uh, um, uh, yeah, I've got a I've got a 
set that aside and try to not be on the phone as much as I am. But um, yeah, it's, it's 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 a lot of different things. But um, I do listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm when I'm working out and um, uh, find the time to do that. But that's it's important for me for sure. And if you were 18 again, I guess we both wish we were 18 again, walking going down Talawanda. <laughs> but if you were if you were 18 again and you were a freshman, or you you've got a roommate there in, in a dorm, what do you tell them about you know the the younger self about what the future could be or what to take advantage of in college? Uh, you know, look, I would I probably would you know probably I'd, um, I I wouldn't change a lot. Um, I think I would have taken my classes a little bit more seriously. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I spent a lot of time with my friend. That was, that was the greatest learning experience I could have is just the time that, that we all spent together and, um, there at 220 and up at, up at top deck and what have you. But, um, I, I think I would have, uh, you know, really put more energy into it, um, uh, into my classes. I, I mean, I got by and I did very well. Um, but, uh, I would have put a lot more energy, I think, into, into the classroom because, um, I think I would have, uh, gotten a lot more out of it that way. But, um, I, I don't have any regrets, but I, I just, that would be the only thing is, you know, yeah, it, you know, put, put your energy into everything that you can hundred percent. Um, there's a lot of times where I probably did show up, um, needing that cup of coffee more, maybe multiple cups of coffee. So, um, <laughs> how, how about a, uh... in early morning class. That's funny. How, how about a class that you look back now and you say, geez, I, I wish it was mandatory. And I, I will tell you, to me, there's always been two that I, I, I can't believe we've all gotten out of college and you didn't have to take it. One is a personal finance course, just so you understand you know, budgeting and life and, and what the future is going to be probably should be given to you in junior high and high school, even before college. And two for me was improv. The just the ability. I think every day we're we're interacting with your kids or your spouse or uh, someone who you're a boss of or your boss uh, too that you're reporting to, and you're interacting differently. And just the ability to to think and react on the fly is so important. So if you, if you go back, or uh, is there a, a skill or a talent that you wish you had picked up, or a class that you think everybody should take? I think absolutely. You know, I think those two that you just mentioned would be, you know, top of the list. And I, I definitely agree that personal finance should be early on. I see that my, my kids take that through, through their classes here. And it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it's just something that we should be all learning from a from very early age. And obviously it's a, that's a role of the parents at home as well. But, um, I, you know, the improv without a doubt, um, I think a language too. I think a requirement for a language nowadays. Um, is I wish I would have, you know, I, I took actually three years of college French after four years in high school. I don't remember any of it because I haven't used it since. Um, but I enjoyed it when I was there. It's just I, I'm, I'm surprised that I, I mean, I can speak a little bit, but not, not much at all to, to con, uh, converse. But, um, you know, I think the improv, you mentioned the improv, and, um, you know, I think that that opportunity to um, be put into different situations you know, to prepare you for what the situations will be in in uh, later life would be would be very helpful for sure. Um, I wish I would have taken that. I wish I would have. I think marketing 
well, just straight marketing, it, it, you should be required to take that, whether you're not you're in a business or a marketing degree of any kind. Or, um, you should be required to take that as well because we're always selling. We're selling ourselves. We're selling a product of, uh, for the company we're working for. We're, we're you know, selling ourselves for relationships. And um, I think it's uh, important that you, you learn those skills um, as well. And the President's Cup ends in the middle of December, and then you've got holiday break, and at some point you come back to the States in 2020, and you, you make yourself to Oxford, and you walk on up to High Street. Where's, where's the first place you're stopping and the first thing you're buying? Skippers, and I'm getting a, I'm getting a gyro with uh, Chris Cup fries. So, and then uh, I'll go straight over to Big Home Deli right after that. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what I'm, I'm going to go to Skippers, seeing Andy, and I'm going up to Top Deck. Uh, that's my first first stop for sure. Top Deck Skippers and Big Home Deli. It's almost like I scripted it myself. Thank you, Mackie for taking the time. I caught you bright and early in Australia. Wishing you the best of luck. Everyone can watch it on the Golf Channel and NBC. Go crush it in December. You continue to impress me every single day with what you do. See you all at Skippers real soon.